teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Isaiah 54 and uh, the 17th verse. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Everybody say none. none. Zilch. Zilch. Nada. Nada. Nil. Nil. Zero. Zero. That's what no means. None of them will prosper. And then it says that that is formed against thee will prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. How many of you know tongues, people's tongues, or the enemy's tongue, speaks words? So the weapons that he's talking about here are words. Words are the weapons, he said, that Satan tries to form against us. And so what he's telling us here is that we need to be aware and be alert and, sh and sharp enough to recognize whenever Satan's trying to form something against us. You know, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but neither are Satan's weapons. His weapons are things like words, thoughts, um, um, suggestions, things that he wants to get you to, to get on the inside of you to shut down the, the things of God working for you to get you to back away from the things of God. Now, he said here, Satan works to form words. You know, I mean, to, to, to form weapons. But, uh, you know, he can form it, but he can't perform it if we don't believe it. In other words, he can put thoughts in your mind and, and bring impulses to you to do something or to quit or to give up, throw in the towel and say, that's it, I've had it with my kids, or that's it, I've had it with my husband, or that's it, I'm giving up, I'm quitting God, I'm quitting my, my, my walk with God or whatever. You know, he can form that, but unless we allow it to get on the inside of us by entertaining it, then it won't prosper. It won't be able to prosper. Amen? So the Bible tells us here we need to be aware that things, when things are being formed. Now, what is, what is it that he forms? I shared this on Sunday. We're going to launch further into it. When, when, when he's bringing thoughts to our mind, he's forming a weapon. What he wants to do is he wants to get that on the inside of us and get us to believe it. Because if we'll f keep thinking on something, eventually we'll believe it. If we believe it, we'll start acting on it, and then we'll start getting the results, even if, even if it's a lie. Now, you can believe that somebody doesn't anymore, uh, that somebody doesn't anymore love you. Uh, you can believe that there's no, like in your marriage, you can believe that there's no hope. But that doesn't mean there is no hope. See, Satan wants you to get that inside of you. He wants you to believe it because if you believe it, you'll give up. Then there will be no hope. You understand? But see, the whole, the whole weapon is not the, the things that happened in the, in, the, in the relationship. The weapon is the things that get on the inside as a result of what happens. That's the weapon that is being formed. Amen. So the way that something becomes empowered against us is that we begin to believe it. Satan can hound you for years and begin, he can hound you and say, you're not going to live past the age of 50. Because of thoughts that are coming. Maybe because of somebody else that, maybe an uncle or your dad or your mom or someone else that didn't live past 50, you know, and the doctors say it's in your genes and all of that kind of thing. And, and the devil can use those words to begin to form a belief and then he wants that to come out of your mouth, I'm never going to live past 50. 
Well, it's not, it doesn't have any power until he gets it in you and gets you to speak it. That's how it becomes formed. That's how he starts to use it against you. The reason he keeps saying, I'm going to kill you at 50, you're not going to make it to 50, is because he, he's, you should ask him, why haven't you already done it? You know, Because he's not able to, because he hasn't got it formed yet. See, the weapon is like a gun. He's handing you the gun. You're putting, if you start believing it, you're putting the ammo in it. And whenever you say it, you're pulling the trigger. Except you have the barrel pointed toward yourself. You know? See, we got to recognize when something's being formed. Whenever he hands something to you, recognize that it's designed to destroy you. (laughs) You know, he's trying to use it to destroy your life. He'll destroy any area of your life that you let him in. He's not, uh, the Bible doesn't say, you know, because the Bible does say he's defeated, but he's not yet imprisoned. He'll still come. He'll still try his shenanigans. And the, the big amazing thing is people can come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and still not recognize when something's being formed. They sit there with sort of a look on their face and, and you're trying to scream. No, no. You can tell by their countenance something's getting on the inside of them. I heard a pastor this past week talk about a particular person that they knew that... Um, they said they just fell. All of a sudden, they just fell into something. They fell into sin. But the pastor said this. They said, I knew for a whole year they weren't guarding their thought life. I saw it coming. And see, but what's the problem was is that the person themselves didn't recognize when something was being formed. You know, it doesn't take, in other words, go over to First Peter. My, 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 I'm getting unction on something. A little different direction. A little different. Coming out a little different. But this is, this is good. Go to First Peter chapter 1. I'm shucking the corn tonight. Don't have time to play games because the devil's playing. The devil's not playing games. He's playing for key. 1 Peter 1.13, notice it says, Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Be sober. That means pay attention. Be alert. Be, pay attention to spiritual things. Pay attention when thoughts are being formed. Most of the time, especially if you come to a church like this and you're hearing the word constantly, you're aware when the devil's working on you. You're aware that something's being formed. But you know, number one, the number one thing to overcome it is to recognize it, not being ignorant of his devices. But number two is don't be lazy whenever you just know it's being formed, but you're not doing anything about it. You know what I'm talking about? You know the devil's setting you up. You know a thought's getting in. You know you're not kicking out a thought, and it's, you're beginning to entertain something that prior you were not entertaining. If you know that, that's not enough. You have to not be lazy. You have to be a doer of the word. Amen. And kick it out. Now, hold your finger here in 1 Peter. We're coming back to that because i got more to say there. But over in Luke's gospel, Jesus said this in the 24th chapter, something that stood out to me years ago. It's always helped me so much. In the 24th chapter, Jesus in verse 25 said, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Oh, fools and slow of heart. The Amplified says sluggish in mind, dull of perception, and slow of heart to believe. Notice he's connecting being sluggish in your mind and and slow or dull of heart. In other words, if you're lazy in your thought life, you're not going to be very sharp in faith. 
Your thought life has to be excellent. You have to be diligent in your thought life. You have to learn to cast down imaginations. You can't get weak. You can't get tired of it. You can't, well, it's been coming so fast. It's been coming so often. It's been coming for months. The thoughts, the impulses, the desires to quit. You can't get lazy. You can't give up. It's still just as destructive after three months giving into it as it would have been the first day giving into it. And it's still just as much a lie after three months. It's no more true because he said it 975 times than it is because he said it one time. Amen? So don't be slow and sluggish and dull. Don't be, don't be sluggish in mind. Be sharp with your thought life. Catch thoughts. Be aware whenever you're being set up. You know? So back over here in 1 Peter, notice in chapter 1, verse 13, he said, this is an interesting verse, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Everybody say, gird up. What's he talking about? The loins. Now, I don't want to be, you know, graphic or anything. I'm just making a point here. The loins are where the reproductive organs are. What's he saying? Gird up your mind because if, it gets the, if the seed of a thought gets in your mind that Satan plants in your mind, your faith on the inside of you is going to start, you're just going to reproduce it. You're going to bring it to pass. If it's not guarded in your thoughts, if it's not dealt with in your thought life, then it'll get in on the inside of you and you'll begin to produce it. Everything produces after its own kind. Amen? And if you don't like the daddy of the thing, you're not going to like its kids. <laughs> Hello? And it doesn't take a long romance for something to get on the inside of you. Just a one-night stand, something get on the inside. Just one thought unguarded. One thought that you didn't deal with, that you didn't cast down, it'll start working on you and, and working on you and working on you. A, a suspicion of some kind and working on you. And if you're not careful, you'll start speaking it, you'll start receiving it, and it'll overcome you. Am I preaching all right? Now come back to the book of Isaiah. And um, let's look in the 26th chapter of Isaiah. This is a verse you're familiar with, but I want to share some things from it. Isaiah 26, 3, it says, You will keep him, God is the one who will keep us in perfect peace as our minds are stayed on the Lord. Because he's saying this is what faith does. Because he trusteth in thee. In other words, faith not only has a way of talking, faith has a way of thinking. Faith will demand that you guard your thought life. Let me say it again. Real faith will demand that you guard your thought life. It'll demand that, not, that, that you don't just entertain every thought that comes. It'll demand that. Real faith will demand that. Real faith, as it grows, will become, eventually, as your faith grows, it will grab complete control of your attention. It will, it will be an offense to your faith for you to think on anything other than the promises of God or that what God said to you. It will become offensive. It will become repulsive. It will become to you sin to even entertain another thought. Can you say amen? That's the place God wants you to get. Weak faith does not hold your attention. Weak faith, remember the Bible said, being not weak in faith, Abraham considered not his own body. Weak faith does not hold your attention. When you grow strong in faith, you, you will demand that you think on the right things. To you, it won't be okay to sit around and watch 14 hours of television. 
and veg out. To you, it won't be okay to just listen to carnal music. That added, oh, that's a cute, that's cute, isn't that cool? It won't be okay for you to just watch sitcoms unfiltered through a renewed mind. To you, it's an offense to you. Because you know, you know you've ungirded your loins. See, no, no woman wakes up one morning and say, oh, I got a child in me. How'd that happen? You know what you did. Hello? It's not a shock to anybody. The people involved know why there's a baby in there. I'm not trying to be graphic. That's, what I'm, that's the way he said your mind is. Your mind will allow things in you, and it'll get planted, and it'll begin to produce after its own kind. Amen. Now back here to Isaiah 26. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. Three things you see here. You see uh, peace, you see a controlled thought life, and you see faith. Um, if, if something the enemy unsettles you, it's because you're thinking on The enemy says unsettles you, it's because you're thinking on it. It's because you've allowed it to get into you to a degree. Now, it might not be producing babies yet, but it's growing. How many of you know it's much easier to get it stopped before it gets planted than it is to get it stopped later? And we're going to get into that. But notice three things, peace, keeping a controlled thought life, and faith. Now, the, the Bible says in the, this is a translation called the New English Translation. It says, and this is so powerful, this is revelation. You've got to hear this. Everybody got your faith ears on? It says, you, you keep completely safe the people who maintain their faith. Notice that term, maintain their faith. What is he saying? He's talking about controlling your thought life is the way you maintain your faith life. Like I said, it's not okay for just any thought that comes through your mind if you're walking by faith to just let it, let it, around, let it sit around and produce babies. You know what I mean? It's got to be controlled. You've got to get a hold of that thought. You can't just let it run rampant. So notice the term here. He said, you keep completely safe the people who maintain their faith. He's telling us that once you enter into a walk of faith, there is something to do, you can do to maintain your walk of faith. Actually, I've found in Christians' lives because they don't do this part, because they just think faith is believing something and saying something. Well, it is, but you've got to control your thought life because it'll, it'll get on the inside of you and, and it's trying to rob you of your belief. Wrong thinking will produce wrong believing. Some of you ought to put that in your mirror in the morning. Wrong thinking will produce wrong believing. If you start thinking wrong, it'll produce a wrong, a wrong conviction. And a wrong focus. You'll be focusing on something that's feeding the wrong things into you, feeding unbelief on the, in the inside of you. So here he said, that your thought life or controlling your thought life is going to be the key to maintaining your faith. Years ago, the Lord started teaching me about my thought life, and he started showing me the connection between the thought life and my faith life. And I started to recognize that there are there, there is a role that my mind plays or the thoughts that I think play before I come into a place of faith, and then there's a role that my mind plays to keep me there, to keep me in faith. An unruly mind will keep you from getting into faith, and an unruly mind will knock you quickly, but it'll be sort of like it'll eject you out of faith once you've gotten into it if you don't control your thought life. Amen? 
this is not just something I want you to sit here and bob your head up and down and say amen to. This is something I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm sounding an alarm tonight. Some of you need to pay attention to this more. You're, you check up on yourself. You ought to make a decision. Every hour on the hour, check up on the last hour. What have I been thinking about? What, okay, what is it? What is it? What, is, what have I been thinking about? Go back over the last hour. What have I been thinking about? I mean, I'm not saying that that's God's best. God's best is just constantly guarding your thought life. But for, for many of us, that's a big step forward just to check every hour. Amen. Now, this is a kind of work that most Christians don't do. <laughs> They'll be glad to work 12 hours with their hands and their backbone. Give me a ditch to dig. I can do something. Give me something to do. I can do that. But, but don't make me enter into the spiritual arena and do any, any kind of work in the spiritual arena because that's very uncomfortable to most Christians. They're not accustomed to those arenas. They're not acclimated toward operating in those arenas. I, I grew up working hard. I worked with my backbone and my, my hands on the farm. I grew up working hard. You know, and so it was a huge adjustment for me. I mean, I, it took me really years to overcome the feelings of unproductivity or being unproductive because I was sitting for hours in my living room meditating on the Word of God. The thoughts, the bombard. See, all my younger years, I, my dad, don't be lazy, don't be lazy, don't be lazy. Well, we understand not being lazy in the, you know, it's not, I, I don't mean I don't, I don't <laughs> you know, you know, I don't sit around all day, but I have different kinds of work. See, I'm working tonight. Because I worked for hours today, I have something to give you tonight. That's a different kind of work. Uh, and Christians aren't just, it's not just ministers that are supposed to labor in the word. Jesus said in John 6, what is it, verse, I can find it for you. Remember, he said, this is the work of God that you believe. Remember that? that you believe on me. So the work that many of us have never entered into is the labor of faith. It's work to cast down imaginations. It's work to not give in to the doubts that come. We have, you know, we, we, you hearing the good reports about the daycare. Wonderful things. I mean, we, we lost seven children. I thought, I told you the other day it was set five and I found out it was seven. Today, Katie helped me. Seven children we lost and we got 14 back. With most of them that we lost were part-time. Most all of them we got were full-time. <laughs> Some of them, I think most of them that we lost were uh, block grant. If you don't know what that is, that means the government pays for it. But many of them we got back are full-time and, the, and the, uh, they're full-time, you know, the parents are paying for it. Now that just means because the government doesn't pay as much, that just means it helps us out of the daycare. And we're rejoicing and praising God. But you know just, what is it, two or three months ago, I had every impulse that you have ever had, all of you together have ever had to put together, all the impulses you've ever had to quit on God. All of you together, I have all of them crowding in on me concerning the daycare. Oh, I'd get up in the morning and, I mean, in the nighttime with hot sweats and thoughts running through my mind, you're going under. You need 5000 out of the church just this month to pay for the daycare. And, I mean, thoughts are, you know, and I'm having impulses and thoughts to quit and, and unbelief. I mean, it wasn't just, uh, it was double parked on the highway to my ear. I'd kick out one, one thought, I'd kick it out, and two would come in. And don't tell me that wasn't a fight. I had to speak to the unbelief. I had to cast down imaginations. I had to say, no, I've heard from God. God told us to start this daycare. Now it's glorious. 
But see, the devil came and, and tried to get us to quit. I'll be honest with you. A couple times, Pastor Debbie and I started discussing quitting. What's God saying here? Now, we didn't, I mean, if we'd ever gotten agreement about it, we'd have probably quit. At one point, she wanted to, and then I didn't want to, and then I wanted to, and she didn't want to. She just says no, and then I just for later says no. And there was one time back here in the hall, walking back down this hall, I almost said something to Katie, and I couldn't get it to come out my mouth. I just, no, no, God told us to start this. You understand what I'm talking about? That's the fight many Christians never enter into. They'll, they'll fight every other kind of fight. They'll fight other Christians, you know. The person that's running it, that's the problem. Let's get into a fight with them. You know, that's not the fight. That's not the issue. The enemy is not a person. The enemy is the unbelief that's coming. That's the weapon formed against us. Did you get that? Oh, man, I'm preaching good tonight. <laughs> now, he said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. In other words, this is how we maintain our faith. We cast down those imaginations. We don't just yield to every impulse and every thought that comes our way. Because here's what's happened. Here's what will happen if we're lazy in this. Satan will rob us of our, of our faith through our unguarded thought life. What we'll find happen will be that um, the fiery darts of the enemy are designed to land in our thoughts. And when we pick them up and think them after the devil lands them in us, it is, it is then that we conceive it. Remember James 1.15 says, um, Lust, when it is conceived, bringeth forth sin. The, the, uh, the thought or the impulse to quit coming is not conceiving it. That does not equal conceiving the thought. That doesn't equal it getting on the inside of you. Remember Jesus, uh, in Mark 4, Jesus told the parable of the sower, and he said uh, these other things, the lust of other things entering in choke the word. Just because the thought comes doesn't mean it entered in. Doesn't mean you've picked it up and now are beginning to think it after the enemy. Don't let the devil tell you, well, see, now you've had that thought come to you. See, you're an unbelief. No, I'm not an unbelief, Mr. Devil. That was you that brought that thought. And you can, feel all, you can feel all kinds of dirty with unbelief, and you're still not in unbelief. Thoughts can even be running through your mind, and your heart still hasn't moved. You can believe it in your heart and doubt it in your head. But you better be careful, because if you entertain those thoughts in your mind, that'll drop down into your, your spirit. So anyway, he shoots those fiery darts, and he wants you to begin to think them after him. That's when it's conceived. Now it is your responsibility. Once you have picked it up and began to think it after him, you're now the one thinking it. It was the devil that brought it, and he's responsible for that. But when you think it after him, now you're responsible. When you pick it up and begin thinking his thought of fear, unbelief, offense. How many of you know there's temptation to be offended? of temptation to quit or, or thoughts of failure or all those things that come, when you pick those things up, now you have an uncontrolled thought life and you are not watching and sober. It's one thing for it to come, but when you pick it up and think it, now you have an uncontrolled thought life because we're told to cast down those imaginations that come. In other words, you and I doing that are sluggish and unresponsive to the word. We're not casting down the imagination. Thoughts that are, um, are or we're not casting down the thoughts. He's, you and I are to maintain our faith. 
By allowing these thoughts to run through our minds unhindered or unimpeded, we are now not maintaining our faith. Did you get a hold of that? See, your faith life requires your thinking to be a certain way. Now, uh, whenever we don't maintain our faith, the enemy is getting something into us. Remember Jesus said in John 14, 30, the, God, the prince of this world cometh and he hath nothing in me. In other words, Jesus didn't let unbelief in him about, oh my goodness, I'm going to die and that's it. No, he knew I'm raising from the dead. He was steadfast in his faith. So Satan came to him, but he got nothing on the inside of him. Satan comes to you and I and wants to get things on the inside of us. He wants to get those thoughts on the inside of us. And whenever they, whenever they come in, we are giving, when, we, when the thoughts come and we don't cast them down, we are giving place to him and we are doing it by our own consent. In other words, we're agreeing to it. Now, sometimes people agree, they, they allow the thought to go unchecked, but they're not paying attention to the fact that they're allowing the thought to go unchecked. But that's still a consent. Yes, sir. Just because you're not paying attention doesn't mean that you didn't give the consent. That's right. You still allowed it. You're responsible, amen, amen, once you pick it up and think it after him. If you don't deal with the thought in time, which is often immediately, by the way, the thought is conceived and will begin to grow and many more thoughts will come. You open the door to one thought. How many of you notice then right after that more thoughts start coming? Lack of restraint will throw the door open to many other thoughts rushing in. The Bible calls this lasciviousness. The word lasciviousness means unrestrained. In other words, a lack of restraint. You, you allow one thought into your mind and it's not a lack of restraint for the thought to come. Satan's out there. He's going to fly around. It's a little like, you know, birds flying over your head. You can't keep them from flying over your head. But you can sure keep them when they come down and try to build a nest in your hair. You can keep them from doing that. Well, Matt can't. But anyway, the rest of us can. <laughs> Actually, the birds can't even try with him. But see, the birds flying over is not your responsibility. But whenever they land on your head and you do nothing about them, that's your responsibility. And that's called being unrestrained. It's called lasciviousness. And it'll throw the door open to many other thoughts. Like the little boy, you ever read the story? I think it's one of Aesop's fables, maybe. I don't know. It's little kids' books have this story. And the little boy that found the, the hole in the dike, I think he screamed and nobody was paying attention, so he put his thumb in or his finger in the hole. You remember that? I mean, if you know, it's much easier to stop at that stage than it is whenever the water has broken a, a 75-foot wide hole in the dam. Amen? The time to deal with it when it's just in a small form, when those first thoughts come. It's much easier to handle in that stage. So to not be restrained or to not cast down thoughts is to move into a place where you're among many more exceeding and abundant temptations and thoughts and impulses, and you will be one of one mind with them. The Bible calls this, Jesus in Matthew 26, 41, called this entering into temptation. Remember, Jesus said to Peter, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. In other words, um, Peter was, because he did not watch and pray, remember he was sleeping. Jesus said, couldn't you watch with me one hour? It wasn't about praying for Jesus as much as it was staying sober about not yielding to the enemy in the time of attack. See, when the devil's 
when all sight, like in the daycare, when all sight is going to pot. You know what I mean by that? When everything that you depended on in the natural, every, every assurance you had in the natural realm just seems to go flying out the window and there's nothing there anymore. Now you're going to have to, you're going to enter into a time of temptation. There's going to be thoughts coming to you. There's going to be impulses. There's going to be all sorts of things coming. I'm preaching real good. Now, that's called entering into temptation. And if you don't deal with the first one that comes, remember Jesus, whenever Jairus was walking him to his house for his daughter to be healed, had that report came, don't trouble the master, your daughter's dead. Remember Jesus immediately wheeled around and said, fear not, believe only. In other words, he got that thought stopped because that was the thought. You know what came to Jairus' thought. That's too late, too late. Nothing we can do now. No, it's never too late whenever you got the resurrection and the life with you. Yeah, but it's dead. No, you got the resurrection and the life living right on the inside of you. It's never too late. So the thoughts, you're going to enter into temptation, so catch the thoughts right at the beginning. The first thing that comes out your mouth is the most important. When you get a bad report at the doctor's office, whenever you lose your job and the doctor, I mean, the, the boss says, we just, we're just going to have to lay you off. The first thing that comes out of your mouth is the most important. When those thoughts start coming, answer it. Don't let one thought go unanswered. Start dealing with them. Amen? Because to not do that, you're going to be amongst many more exceeding and abundant thoughts and temptations and impulses. And if you let one thought in of yielding to that, you're going to be of one mind with all the rest that come in. You've already given place to the enemy to a degree. Amen? First, uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down every thought, bringing into captivity every thought. You know, it only takes one. I heard uh, Homeland Security people say things like this. We, we have to be right every time. I mean, we have to catch every attack. The terrorists only have to get one attack through. We have to catch every single one. You have to be that way with your thought life. Amen. You have to catch the first one, catch every single one of them, and bring into captivity every thought. Ephesians 6.16, quenching all the fiery darts of the wicked. Amen. You let one in, you're gonna, it's going to start having babies. <laughs> now, there's a principle in the Word of God that sin, and you can find this in several verses, but sin leads to more sin. Remember, evil men and seducers are wax worse and worse. First um, Timothy, you don't have to go there, just, think, just giving you verses to help you think about this thought. First Timothy talks about um, covetousness, opening the door. This is in chapter 6 of First Timothy, verse number 9. It says, a man that wills to be rich falls into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Notice it got in through one, then it ended up being many. You, get, you catch that? 1 Timothy 6, verse 9. Um, one thing entering in will, will tend, to, it'll tend to open the door to get into every other area of your life. And that's the way these thoughts are. That's the principle of how Satan works. He starts small and then explodes it. Uh, one thought yielded to, to cause many others to rise up. One degree of sin, one degree of unbelief, one degree of perversion leads to another degree. We know the Bible talks about in the realm of, of God, things we go from faith to faith, glory to glory. But in the realm of Satan, things go from one degree of perversion to another degree of perversion. One degree of sin to another degree of sin. One degree of bondage in the mind to another degree of bondage in the mind. 
You let things go unchecked, they will run rampant. We all know that. We've all been there to one, one degree or another. So the nature of sin is that it leads to more sin, and it gets worse and worse, and it opens the, devil to the, uh, the door to the devil more and more. There's a progression to sin just like there's a progression to godly things. And the same way with thoughts. You let one thought in, there will be a rush of many more come in. So you have to deal with the one. Amen? Uncontrolled thoughts um, are the same way. It'll become one thought and have, then many more will come. So you have to control that one thought. Can you say amen? I already said that, but I'm just making the point. Now, um, your thought life can get so locked up with what you see and what you feel that you'll feel, because of an unrestrained thought life, you know, that you'll feel as if you can't break free from it. It'll be what the Bible calls a stronghold. You'll lose your peace. Now it seems you have no control. You feel overwhelmed. There's no restraint. Thoughts run rampant, randomly through your mind, unchecked and uncontrolled. This is called entering into temptation. Amen. You've been overcome by evil. Romans 12, 21 says, don't be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Evil has overcome you. It got on the inside of you, and now, it's beginning, or now you're beginning to think about it and act on it. And it, it, you begin to speak fear and unbelief and offense and all kinds of things. Satan has succeeded in breaking down your resistance. How? By, letting, by you letting one thought in. See, he wants to penetrate that shield of faith God has around you, that you've built around you. He succeeded in getting through that shield of faith by one thought. On. You, you left your shield down and one thought got in. You didn't put out that fiery thought. Amen. You didn't answer that one thought. You dropped the shield. Now he's overrunning your defenses and he has a place in you and he's getting his way in many areas of your life. That's the way these things work. And it'll happen pretty quickly. Especially if you've been resisting him for a long time. He's angry about not getting in for a long time. And you let one little, your guard down one little thing, shoo, he'll run in. And man, it, 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 it goes fast. Your attention has gotten on other things. And now the word is not profiting you. You've become separated from your faith. It, your faith has grown weak and it seems powerless to help you. You have failed, I mean, your faith has failed to produce for you for looking of the things that are coming against you. That's Luke 21, 26. Amen. So you no longer have what it takes to escape all the bombardment of thoughts and troubles. Well, does that mean it's impossible to get back? No, you have to start taking those thoughts again and casting them down. You might not get there overnight, but you have to start taking the thoughts captive and start answering them again. You will feel like it's doing nothing when you do it because you feel like you're so overrun by all these attacks. But still, you can gain ground in that again by acting on the Word of God. Amen? So, if you don't guard your thought life, the devil succeeds in robbing you of your faith. To be successful in any faith endeavor, you have to develop excellence and diligence in your thought life. Thank God we can, do, we can be diligent. Now, thoughts will come, and the enemy will persist, but we don't have to take the thought whenever it comes. Remember, Matthew, take no thought, say. The thought will come, but just because the thought came doesn't mean, or even it keeps coming, doesn't make it true, and you're not defeated just because the thought came. It's whenever you entertain it that you're starting to be defeated. Amen. Um, there were two generals 
one time talking about their armies, and they were bragging on their armies, I mean, uh, and, uh, you know, discussing how powerful their armies were and so forth. And one general said, well, my army, my men, they are the bravest men there are anywhere as far as men on the battlefield. And the other general said, well, mine might not be the bravest, but they'll stay on the battlefield 15 minutes longer than any other army in the world. <laughs> in other words, they just won't quit. And that's the way you have to be with the enemy. You have to outlast him. You have to continue to act on the word until he finally says, Uncle. And you can get to the place. Remember, Jesus was for a season tempted in the wilderness, and then the Bible said that Satan left him for a season. You can break the attack. You can get through to the other side. Hallelujah. But that's not the time to have a party and let down your guard. The time of rest is a time to rebuild and prepare for other endeavors in faith. Amen. Amen. This is a different kind of work. Like I said, many Christians don't understand this kind of work. They'd rather work 12 hours a day. See, this is entering into the spiritual arena. This is fighting in the arena of faith. This is the arena that's really going to cause you to be successful. My mind, whenever the Lord started dealing with me, I want you to take time. Of course, he was getting me ready for ministry also, but he was also putting the Word of God in me, and he wanted me to spend, he told me to tithe my day every day. 20, 24 hours a day is two, I mean, 10% of that's over two hours, you know. And so the Lord told me to get me ready for a walk with him, like he wanted me to walk with him. He said, I want you to tithe your day in the Word. Amen. Well, that was tremendous work for me. Because I was more comfortable getting out there and doing something with my hands and my backbone. I, I felt so unproductive. Felt like I was being lazy. My dad's voice ringing in my ears. Somebody said, well, isn't that lazy? You should be working. Well, remember what it says in Hebrews 6, 12? He said that we be not slothful, but imitators of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In other words, he's saying don't be lazy in our faith life. Lazy thoughts, lazy faith. Say that out loud. Lazy thoughts, lazy faith. Anybody that's ever decided they're going to cast down imaginations or they've undertaken controlling, they've undertaken controlling their thought life and what they think about has found out it's not for the weak and faint of heart. It's not for lazy folks. It is work. I mean, if you've never gone, if you think you've got it all down, then... I, I challenge you tomorrow to bring every thought captive, every single one, like the Bible says, every single one. You'll come home from, the, from your day and you'll want to take a nap. <laughs> because thoughts are running quicker than you can even snap your fingers. They're running through your, your mind. You have to control that and bring it into captivity. That's good preaching. That's work. That's the kind of work God tells us. That's the arena he wants us to enter into. It feels different. It doesn't feel, if you're used to working with your hands and your backbone, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like you're being lazy. But I've I, I made myself meditate in the Word of God, pray and worship Him and, and, and speak in tongues for over two hours every day, two and a half hours, over two and a half hours every day. I made myself do that. It got to the place to where I, I started something started rising up on the inside of me, and I went to work spiritually. One of the things I needed right then was money. But I was working in the natural for it, and this didn't seem productive over here two and a half hours. You understand? 
So, but I had to learn that this is getting something on the inside of me that will produce a financial harvest. But the devil in my unrenewed mind wanted to say, that's just not doing anything for you. But I got to the place where my faith kicked in and all of a sudden things are coming in from all kinds of ways and sources and I'm beginning to prosper and God's starting to tell me, okay, now cut back your hours. See, he wanted me to get into the ministry. It's different for every person, you know. But that's how he worked with me. And I, I got to the place that I was living by faith. There's a new thought. Praise the Lord. Did you get that? Now, the enemy wants to separate you uh, from anything that the Lord has blessed you with. He separates you from it by separating you from your faith. Mark eleven twenty three. remember it says, Whosoever shall say, don't doubt in his heart, but believes what he says comes to pass. Uh, in the Johnson's translation, it says, rather than don't doubt in his heart, it says, Whosoever shall say, and does not become separated from the statement he makes. Amen. Satan wants to separate you from your faith. He wants to get you unhooked from it. You, he doesn't mind if you have it in your heart. Now he, he, I mean, he does mind, but if it got in there, you have faith on the inside, now he's, he doesn't mind that if he can keep you from acting on it. <laughs> keep you separated from it. But if we don't become separated from it, then we can win victories over and over and over again, and um, we'll, we'll not give him any place in our life anymore. He tries to separate us from our divine connection with the Word of God. And the way he does it with, is with thoughts. He even does it trying to separate us from our supply with, with his thoughts. Don't be lazy. Be aware of what he's doing. What I mean when I say don't be lazy, don't fail to respond to the Word of God. I'm not talking about reacting to the attack. When Satan comes, don't react to Satan. Act on the word. We're not out reacting to everything he's doing. We're just in a habit of acting on the word. Amen. So if you're going to grow up and amount to anything for God, you're going to have to do this. This is not, this is not spiritual kindergarten anymore. We're not in grade school anymore. Like Pastor Nancy said, we're growing up now. This is not for the weak of heart and kindergartners. Hallelujah. We're going to have to discipline our thought life if we're going to ever amount to anything for God. Well, as, if you're a teenager in here and you sense the call to, call to ministry, discipline your thought life. Discipline. Don't sit around and play video games for 14 hours a day. Make yourself, renew your mind. See, that's preparing yourself for ministry. Renew your mind. Think on the Word of God. Meditate on it. Amen? Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Say, I'm still out here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise, the Praise the Lord. Now listen to this. You won't fail because wrong thoughts come to you. You will fail because you fail to deal with them properly. You, cast, you don't cast them down and act on the word, in other words. Every, every person that succeeds in faith does so in the presence of thoughts trying to get them to quit. <laughs> you just have to get used to it. Remember? Psalm 23, verse 5, he prepares a table in the presence of mine enemies. Say, in the presence of mine enemies. What does that mean? In, in the presence of impulses to quit. In the presence of thoughts that are running, trying to, trying to get you to quit. 
Amen? Amen. Every person who succeeds does so in the presence of these feelings. Opposing thoughts in the presence of unbelief. Most of the time when I'm walking by faith, there, there's, there's a, a voice of unbelief hounding me. Well, Pastor, you must be doing something wrong. No, in the presence of your enemies. You have to partake of things in the presence of unbelief, in the presence of fear and impulses to quit and all of those kinds of things. Amen. That's just, that's just par for the course, walking by faith. But the thing you and I have got to learn to do is minimize those thoughts and those feelings and those impulses and thoughts of failure. Don't become overly impressed by them. Amen. Remember the Bible says about Abraham's faith in Romans 4.12, it says, um, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Notice that term, considered not. There's going to be some things that you're going to have to, in walking by faith, you're going to have to learn to be very inconsiderate to certain things that come to you certain impulses, certain un thoughts of unbelief. Just, be un just minimize them. See, some people m maximize them and blow them up. Oh, the devil said this. And why are you repeating what the devil's saying all the time? Why don't you just repeat what God's saying? Amen? That voice that's unbelief will get quieter and quieter. It'll fade away eventually because you're un inconsiderate of it. You know, if you keep being inconsiderate of somebody, they stop coming around. <laughs> it's whenever you keep considering everything the devil's saying and repeating it all to God and to pastor and to everybody around you that'll listen to you that the devil keeps hearing you say that. Well, he keeps talking to you. Amen. So learn to minimize what you feel. Learn to minimize what, you th what the thoughts are that are coming to you. Amen. Now, in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the 27th verse, you're familiar with this verse. This is talking about Moses' faith. Remember, he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. The Bible says the king was angry with them when they went out. Remember all those plagues? And finally he said, all right, out of here. I'm tired of these plagues. But he was still angry at them. Remember, they still chased them out in the wilderness. But the Bible says that Ab I mean, uh, Moses left Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Notice that. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. In other words, what is that saying? Uh, Hebrews 12.3 is another verse that kind of goes along with this. He says, he said, in fact, go over to Hebrews 12.3. I want you to see this. You getting anything out of this? Yeah. We're, we're about to wrap it up. Yeah. Hebrews, notice what it says about Jesus. It talks about, Pastor Nancy was talking about this to a degree. Verse 2, first of all, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Notice where you get weary. The weariness is, the, the weariness gets in, we become weary with casting down the imaginations. Satan wants to try to wear you out in doing that. But you have to keep strong of spirit and continue to cast down imagination. It doesn't, take it, it doesn't matter if the attack has been persisting for three months. You don't get weary of casting down the imagination, casting down the thought. Because the moment you get weary, you're going to quit. You see that? He endured. 
Hebrews 11.27 says, as seeing him who is invisible. Then it says, consider Jesus who endured such contradiction of sinners, lest you be wearied. In other words, he, the previous verse says, he endured the cross. He looked through the temptation, like Pastor Nancy was saying, and saw the other side. Somebody said one time, if you saw what was on the other side of your mountain, you would move it. <laughs> you would. You would move it. Because if you saw what was over there, oh, yeah, I'm going for that. But if you get to looking at the wrong things, you'll begin, become weary. In other words, looking means get your attention on the wrong things. So your thought life is a key to learning to endure. The battle against the temptation to quit is in the mind. Say, the battle is in my mind. You'll get to the place, like I said, that even considering things seen will become sin to you because it weakens your resolve in faith. It will become an offense to you. Amen? Amen. To think about the problem is to weaken yourself in faith. And to you, that's, that's just that you just don't go there anymore. It's an offense to you to even have those thoughts of thinking about going there. Amen? Amen. Now come back to Isaiah 26, and, and we'll wrap this up, verse number 3. It says, Keeping, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Say mind. mind. So our, our thought life stayed on the right things will keep us in faith. Amen. Because he goes on to say, because he trusteth in thee. Your mind has a role of helping you get into faith. In fact, your mind, you can school yourself into faith by learning to cast down wrong thoughts and learning to think on the right thoughts. You can do that. You can actually, you know, we talk about Satan trying to get something into our heart. We talk about God's word being planted in our heart. But do you know do you ha that you have access to your own heart? You can plant things in your heart. Get these three words, or two words. You can plant things in your heart on, say on. On. Purpose, say purpose. purpose. You can do it on purpose. Amen. You can get into faith on purpose. Amen. You can decide, I am going to believe yes. God. Amen. You can move yourself, school yourself right into it. Amen. Once you get into it, the way you maintain yourself in faith is casting down thoughts. You know, speaking the word of God, of course, but also that's part of casting down thoughts. But you can also, if you're not in a place where you believe something about yourself, like for example, that, that uh, he's uh, made poor that you might be rich, so I'm rich. Amen. Well, I don't believe I'm rich. Well, <laughs> there's something, you just found something then to school yourself into. Well, I just never have been rich. I mean, my mama never was rich, and I don't have an education, and da-da-da-da-da. Well, you just found an area that uh, Satan's just having a heyday in your thoughts. You just found some answers why you're not succeeding in certain areas. Um, the thing about schooling yourself in faith is you can speak things over yourself even though you don't believe it. You can decide, well, the Bible says that. My heart isn't established in that. But yet, on the other hand, I want to be established in that. Amen. So, I'm going to school myself into faith. Amen. And you can cast down wrong thoughts, and you can go to working on this, and you can funnel the Word of God, feed the Word of God into your own spirit. In other words, like Isaiah 54, 17 said, Satan will try to do it against you. 
you can actually on purpose form a weapon against him. Because you can take the same principle. See, God, Satan's just using the way God made you to operate. He made you to, to, uh, to be able to lock things into your spirit by meditating on it and it getting into your spirit. He made you to be able to do that. Well, Satan wants to take that very thing that God made you, that, that very way that God made you, he wants to take it and use it in reverse against you. Well, don't be foolish. Say, aha, I see how he works against me. I'm going to use that same thing, and I'm going to form a weapon against him. How do you do it? You school yourself into faith. You take the word of God. You speak it over yourself, even if it's not faith yet. What do you mean, pastor, that it's not faith? Well, just because you're speaking the word doesn't make it faith. Did you know that? There's a verse in Joshua 1.8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. It means to mutter. Meditation is muttering the Word of God. Muttering is the Word of God or meditating in the Word of God is something you can do to school yourself into faith. You might not even believe it, but you can meditate on it and eventually get it on the inside of you. It's called planting the seed. Remember we talked about, you know, gird up the loins of your mind? Well... Put your mind on the right things and you'll start to conceive Amen. the seed of God's word and it'll start producing after its kind. Oh, hey. So meditate on it. Now, in the New Testament, now you might challenge me on this and you're thinking right now, but go examine the New Testament. The New Testament never says to confess the word. Did you know that? Pastor, you preach it all the time. It does too. No, it doesn't. It says over and over to confess what you believe. Remember, we having the same spirit of faith according as written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. Yes. Remember, Mark eleven twenty three 23, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. The New Testament emphasizes speaking what you believe. That doesn't mean it's wrong to speak the word. It's just that you might not be believing it. Just because you're speaking it doesn't make it faith. Because faith, if you, we, you were here in Elevate, it means persuasion of heart, conviction, confidence, being sure, being certain. You might not be sure. You might not be certain. You might not have confidence in what you're saying. Well, that's, then it's not faith. Oh, pastor, what am I going to do? You're going to speak it anyway. Because, listen to this, go over to Proverbs 3, verse number 3. I'm almost done. Like I told you, I came with both barrels and two pistols loaded. Go to Proverbs 3. You're going to write this down in your notes, and you're going to, you're going to catch this one because this one will bless you. Bless you, bless you. Proverbs 3, 3. Let not mercy and truth, truth is the word, forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. In other words, you can write truths on your own heart. Now, in your notes or maybe here at this verse, write the, the, the Proverbs 15, 2, and, and you'll use these two verses together from time to time as you go forward in faith. Proverbs 15, 2 says, The tongue of the wise uses knowledge of right, but the mouth of the fool pours out foolishness. Put that together with Proverbs 3, 3. Write them upon the table of thine heart. And he'll tell, he's telling you that to write it on the table of your heart is to do the right thing with the knowledge you have of God's word. If you're wise, you'll take the knowledge you have of God's Word, which you might have just heard, but you don't really believe it. Yeah. Now, there might be many things you do believe, but you know, I mean, there's things whenever you first hear them, you don't, yeah. you don't believe that. First time you heard that Jesus may, became poor, that you might be rich, you didn't believe it. That's right. Yeah. I'm not rich. Come on. I grew up in Iowa. You know? But see, now, he's not talking about, he's talking about redemption here. He's talking about what he gave you in Christ. Yeah. 
So you might not believe it, but you heard it and you know it. Yeah. Well, be wise, take your tongue and get it down there and write it on the table of your heart. How do you do that? You do it by speaking it over yourself. You keep doing that, eventually you'll school yourself right into faith. For you know it, you, hey, I believe that. I'm, I'm rich. And you'll sit differently in your car. You'll sit cockeyed like... Because it'll get on the inside of you. Oh, yeah, I'm not broke no more. You've got a conviction about it. It's gotten on the inside of you. That's whenever you speak it. Now it's going to have the power to change things. Up until that time, it was only changing your insides. It wasn't going to do anything outside. See, first the seed has to get planted on the inside. And then you take your words and bring it out and plant it into the circumstances of life. If it hasn't gotten planted on the inside, it's not going to do anything in the circumstances of life. Amen? Amen. Oh, we're having good unction tonight. The words of your own mouth can form fear on the inside of you can form unbelief on the inside of you. It can build faith. It can build joy. It can build peace. It can build whatever you say. It can build it on the inside of you. And you can school yourself and establish your heart in it. Amen. That's what the woman with the issue of blood did. She just kept, the King James says she said, many other translations say she kept saying, if I touch him, I'll be healed. What did she do? She schooled herself into faith. She schooled herself right into it. Well, I don't necessarily believe it. Well, just go to speak in it anyway. But just know what you're doing. Know that it's not necessarily faith. Just know you're building faith on the inside of you. Did you get anything out of this tonight? Oh, this is freedom. This is, I tell you, guarding your thought life gets to the place where you get a, a garrison around your faith where faith becomes much easier. It's, it's not like you're bouncing from pillar to post because you spent three days thinking on the problem. Some of you, um, you know, you go, you, some of you have come up against tremendous resistance because of your commitment to the Word of God. Through relatives, through family, through people that decided you no longer are who they want to be around. And I'll tell you, sometimes I weep about it. But I just know, if you won't give in to all those thoughts... You know, I'm losing this. I'm losing this relationship. You can actually have them brought into the things of God. I'm saying that for some of you specifically that have come up to tremendous opposition. And I'll tell you, <laughs> pastors, I don't have a hat on tonight. My, my, my hat's off to some of you because you come up to some stuff. But I'm here to tell you, don't let those thoughts in. What am I going to do? How am I going to pay the bills? How, what, you know what I mean? <clears throat> Guard your heart. Guard your thoughts. Don't just let the devil say it's over, it's over, it's over. It doesn't have to be over. Amen. It's just not over until you say it's over. You have to take your stand and you have to say, I don't care anything I see. I am believing God. I'm believing God for that person's salvation. I'm believing God for, you know, their minds all goofed up. I'm believing God for the, the blinders are coming off of their eyes. Amen. Praise God. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147. Or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, 
Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you, and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.